Here's the big question. How is it that most entrepreneurs hustle and are always busy and struggle to take just one step forward only to fall two steps back? They're dedicated, determined, and driven, but only a few finally break through and win. This show uncovers those quantum leap patterns of highly successful people so you can simply model what they do and apply to your future success. That's the question, and the answers are right here. My name is Brigitte Höfele, and this is the Success Patterns Show. Welcome, everyone. Happy Tuesday. My name is Brigitte Höfele, the CEO of the Center of NLP and um, the mom of uh, Amelie and Anna and the brainchild behind uh, a ton of curriculum that I wrote and the wife of Christian. And are you in for a treat today? Because I have, I'm going to call him my better half here with me today. And of course, you know, as you're subscribing to my channel and are sharing it with others, you're going to learn that it's not just one person in the Höfele household or two people. It's a lot of people, whoever's uh, coming from the Höfele household into this show. And today I have the privilege and the distinct honor to bring to you the culture guy. Christian Höfele is the cultural coach, trainer, and mentor for multinational organizations, or rather for people who work globally. Based here in Atlanta, Georgia, he is German by passport, American by choice, Bavarian at heart, and like I said, people call him the culture guy. His passion is to help people discover commonality when they're overwhelmed by difference. Boy, and in what times do we live right now where we all need to listen to the culture guy may you be crossing cultures and borders or not his mission is to create peace by facilitating understanding relating and connecting at the core of his purpose is culture and as he helps people figure out this thing called culture they'll work at their peak and in peace with others Ladies and gentlemen, I am so honored to have here with me today, the one, the only, the culture guy. Welcome, Christian. Well, thanks, honey, for that introduction. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited to have you on my show. Uh, I would say you're... um, you're my number one, but you're actually the third on my show. So don't hold it against me. I'm so glad that you're, I know, don't hold it against me that you're here. Um, and I'm very, very privileged to have you here. So today we're going to talk about Ice Q. Yeah. What is Ice Q? Ice Q. Well, let's spell it out first. It's I C E and then a Q. I, I put a dash in between so it's clear that there's ice and then there's Q. And ice Q is the combination of three human power skills. It's IQ plus CQ plus EQ, and that equals ice Q. 
has nothing to do with frozen water or a rapper from Los Angeles. It's Ice Q. And IQ is your intellectual prowess, your intelligence quotient. That's what most people know or heard of. That's how we measure or try to measure intelligence. I think it's more a measure of your subject matter expertise, what it is you do, what you know about your work. And then there's CQ, that is cultural intelligence, and we'll talk about this a little more. And then there's EQ, emotional intelligence. And the three together are ice Q. And this is what you want, and this is what you need, and this is what you should be expanding and building upon if working across cultures is part of your work and life routine. Because common sense is not common, and you can read it behind me here. If you don't get culture, eventually culture will get you, and it will hurt, and it will cost you. And my job is to alleviate the pain, maybe even help you prevent it, and certainly make sure that you don't lose money in the culture gap. So you you, meant, you said a, a lot of great things, and there are many words that we specifically nowadays hear often. Um, emotional quotient is one of them, EQ, right? Culture is another one of them. And I want to say, you know, we're both trainers in the corporate world. Those words get... I'm going to say thrown around a lot. Can you help people understand in your definition, what is culture? In my definition, I'm going to borrow from a handful of definitions that I've read and heard over time. And maybe we can piecemeal them together and we all can make better sense of it. So for some people, culture is that behavior that we allow in a group to happen without being punished or sanctioned. So the lowest common denominator of what we allow ourselves to do and be. Others say culture is a set of behavior norms, of rules of engagement that a group of people agrees upon. And maybe they don't agree, or most likely they don't agree upon these set of rules by uh, committee and by rule setting, this more or less happens automatically over time as groups work together or live together. And it's easy to get confused with the terminology of culture because in the corporate world, we often hear it or see it used in, a, in the sense of corporate organizational culture. How do groups of people work together in a company, in any type of organization? And yet culture in its original form is how we behave as humans in the tribes to which we belong. And essentially in today's world, those tribes extend to nations or to regions within nations or to geopolitical clusters. So some would say in your introduction, you called some of my tribal affiliations. So I'm German by passport. Yes, I'm a German national just like you. I'm an American by choice because I choose to live here. I've lived here. I did the math the other day. It's been more than 19 years of my life. So that's a little bit more than half of my... No, it's it's actually not, not quite half. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And I'm also Bavarian, which is a certain region of Germany. So that is part of my cultural identity. And then I'm a trainer. I'm a coach. Yes, that is part of my identity. I'm a parent. I'm a dad. So that's a cultural identity. So whatever group we affiliate with or that we think we belong to, that has a certain, sometimes written, most of the time unwritten rules of how we are with each other, right? So culture, in a way, is the is the set of behaviors that we live and that we show to the world on a daily basis. Now, in our work, I like to use a metaphor that's maybe a little too geeky or a little bit cerebral, but let's look at our human existence let's look at ourselves at our body you can touch yourself touch your shoulder touch your head touch your hips wherever you want to touch this is your physical existence as a human being that's your hardware just like the screen of the gadget that you're looking at right now to watch this video that's your hardware inside that hardware is something that makes the hardware work it's the operating system so in our human existence, culture is the operating system that makes the hardware of this body work. And on the operating system, we run our programs, our application. You can hear me speak English right now. This is an application that was not factory installed on this system here, right? I came, I'm German Bavarian hardware installed or shipped to the world with a Bavarian German operating system, my culture, and the English language was not part of that. I downloaded that on my system later in life. And in the beginning, it was a bit glitchy. It didn't always work well. Today, it seems to be kind of okay. I still pronounce words not properly for some, and sometimes I screw it up because my choice of words may not be ideal because my operating system is German. And when my German operating system uses the application of English language, that's not native to this to this thing here, right? So the way I use the tool of English language is heavily involved by my German operating system. So this is a metaphor that we often use in our training and coaching engagements to make people aware of their deeply rooted programming, literally programming that they have inside of themselves that determine how they show up in the world and how they interact with each other. So this is all fascinating. And the program, so you're saying that culture is a program that we run. Is that correct? In a way, I, I would, I think it's more than a program. It's, it's, I think the the motherboard of all the programs, right? We, it's, I, I say it's the operating system. So it, it's, it's the very uh, framework of our programming that allows all the other programs to work. Right? So then cultural intelligence is one part of Ice Cube. Yep. And, you know, we, I think we all know what IQ stands for. What's the EQ? What's the. EQ. What's the EQ's e? emotional intelligence. So this is our ability to relate to the emotions. Well, first of all, to relate to our own emotions, to be cognizant of our own emotional composition and how it can change depending on the situation that we find ourselves in. 
and also the ability to relate to other people's emotions, sometimes even animals' emotions. A lot of people have a close connection with a pet, and some of these highly intelligent pets also have an emotional composition. So our ability to let's let me explain this in a woo-woo way. Our experience, our uh, ability to pick up wavelengths of emotional energy and the ability to adjust our own behavior, our communication style, our nonverbals to the emotions of other people with the goal of creating, maintaining rapport with the goal of reaching um, a desirable outcome for everybody involved. And I'm pretty sure, you know, you do a lot of great work. I know because you know, we, we work from, we don't work in the same office, but our offices are close to each other. Uh, we're close to each other. So I know the incredible work that you do. Share with our listeners and our viewers, when an organization does not operate from Ice Q, and I would say that probably happens more often than they would like, and then we think, what happens when they don't operate from Ice Cube? Well, first of all, I want to burst the bubble of an organization doing something. This is this is corporate geek speak that I am prone to and that I've seen out in the corporate world a lot that an organization behaves a certain way. And I, I want to remind myself and everybody out there that it's not an organization that does something. It's the people that work in the organization that do things. So yes, the collective behavior might create that of a company. And let's face it, it's the, the stakeholders, the employees, the team members, the leadership of a company, which set their, set the tone with their individual behavior that, creates an organizational culture. So if a company does not develop its team members' ice queue, then, well, bottom line is they're leaving money on the table because they're failing to connect with internally with each other and are failing to empower each other to create more favorable outcomes as, as a team. They are failing to connect better with their supplier and vendor base and probably most hurtful um, for the bottom line is that they're failing to connect with their audience and the audience being their customer, their clients, who they are developing a relationship with. And I think if, if the pandemic has taught us anything, I hope it did teach us a little bit, but there's, there's something that I think the pandemic brought to uh, uh, collective attention is that when we as individuals or as companies enter the market to purchase something, we don't purchase from the brand. You don't purchase, my clients don't purchase from me because they like the TCM logo behind it. No, they engage and connect with me because they like the way they communicate with me. There is something, there is a story, there is a narrative, there is a human connection that creates a likability, that creates a trust, which eventually leads to a purchase. We don't buy from brands. We don't buy from 
forgive me for the name, but we don't buy from Amazon. No, we buy from the experience that we've had over the years and especially in the last two years through the pandemic um, of reliability, of great customer service, of same day delivery or next day delivery, or whatever, whatever the benchmarks, the KPIs of that service are, that's what we buy from. This is what creates the trust, right? So if a company fails to develop ISQ within their employee base, these employees are not as well equipped to interact, relate with their client base, interact, relate to their colleagues, interact, relate to their vendor supplier base. And sometimes people still cause these The um, they still call it uh, these IQ skills. They still call it soft skills. Um, sure, I'm 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 not gonna make that wrong. However, it does get my hair in the back to stand up a little bit whenever I hear that, because the reason why we call it soft skills is beyond me. Because to me, and this is the experience not only of myself but also that of our clients that have been working with us over the years, being able to relate to other people across behavioral dis differences, being able to connect with people across the culture gap, being able to adjust one's communication to effectively inspire, motivate, and lead others to desirable outcomes. How is that stuff, right? This is the essential of human interaction. If I'm not able to do that, if I'm not able to connect, if I'm not able to effectively communicate with those who are a bit different than I am, then nothing will get done. So I sometimes say, without the so-called quote-unquote soft skills, none of your hard skills work. So that's why we, we put together this acronym of ICE-Q, because cultural intelligence and emotional intelligence were often put in this soft skill basket with IQ, the subject matter expertise, being labeled as one of the harder skills. Well, we want to see them together, right? So this quote unquote soft plus hard is an essential skill. We call it power skills. So power skills is what IQ is essentially. And it's not hard. It's not soft. It's powerful to be able to relate to other people, to connect, inspire, motivate, and empower them to work at their peak and to create successful outcomes. I know this was a long run, forgive me, um, but that was such a broad question, I had to dive in. Well, gr great information, Christian. And guys, if, if I'm pretty sure that you have questions for Christian, because I have so many questions. Now, I get to ask them all the time. Um, this is your time to ask any of these questions. So when, when um, you know, the, they're not soft skills, as you already said, they're hard skills, because clearly um, nothing can be done. No team, no individual, no organization as a whole can run without these skills. So they might as well be hard skills. Well, I, I don't want to label them as soft or hard either way, because I think this is a an artificial categorization. The, I, I think these are essential for successful business conduct. It's it's a durable, transferable power skill. And whether you want to call them soft or hard, I don't care. 
as long as you develop them, because if you don't, you're going to lose money. Bottom line. Power skill. So how do people, how does an individual, first of all, even get to where you are today? I mean, you're, you made a name for yourself. You are known as the culture guy. How do you get there? Um, by people calling me that. I didn't, I didn't choose that for myself, to be honest. I thought, the culture guy, doesn't that sound a little bit preposterous, a bit cheesy? Um, that was my initial thought. And it happened in a, in a uh, um, masterminding group. And we were, as masterminds go, there's usually um, sessions where everybody gets their hot seat, two minutes and the, the quick rounds. And it was my turn and one of our members came in late. I'm not going to name that person, but somebody was late. And they asked me again, so who is it you are? Because I was fairly new to the group. And then I did a 30-second thing again. And they, and the lady said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You're the culture guy. And I was like, okay, well. And then people kept saying that. So I thought, okay, if the shoe fits, wear it. So that's how I became the culture guy. I started actually producing a podcast for a while under that title. It's still available out there. You can get it on my website or on iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcast. Um, the culture guy, and I'm, I'm okay with it now. I was a bit apprehensive at first, but you, you let's may be honest, it, it encapsulates exactly what I do. So I'm okay with it. What are you? So the culture guy, that's how you got the name, but what made you go into that field? Yeah. Um, didn't go to school for this. And if you had asked me 30 years ago that I, what, what you're going to do? And is this something I'm like, yeah, blah. Um, I, I went to school to become a journalist, which I was for quite a while. So I studied political science and history and all this good stuff um, where, where some people back then thought, well, what you're going to do with those degrees? And sounds like you're going to drive in a cab or selling uh, hot dogs on uh, street side in New York. Um, so it was not necessarily the, uh, the major that people would advise you get into, but my desire was to become a journalist, to speak truth and to uh, shed light on things that are under, under reported on. So th this was always been my drive to, to collect information um, sorted by relevance and presented in a way that an audience would be willing to accept it. And when you and I, as I said, you, my wife and I, when we moved to the United States, I was still working as a, a freelance writer for um, magazines and, and, and news outlets in Germany and the UK and the English speaking world. And a a fairly large organization from Central Europe decided to build a, uh, a greenfield project less than 30 minutes from our house. And they happened to be from Germany. And this was a multi-billion dollar investment. And this is where I thought, whoopsie, there is going to be a culture clash happening. At that time, we were living in Southeast Tennessee in the Chattanooga area. For those of you who are familiar with that, it's beautiful areas beautiful landscape scenery um river valley mountain forest nice 
And yet it's not the United States that most people from abroad would expect when they come to the United States. Most Europeans think of the U.S. and think New York City. They think um, Grand Canyon. They think Florida beaches and maybe um, Hollywood. They don't necessarily think Tennessee Valley. And it was crystal clear that when this company came in, they would be bringing people not only from Germany, but from other parts of the world. And they would be experiencing an America that is unlike anything they've ex experienced before. I myself had been to the US long before. I was an exchange student, high school exchange student in, in, in my teens. So I've had this experience of, of being the stranger in a foreign land. I've learned how to adjust to another culture intuitively back in my teens. And I realized, okay, this is an opportunity to monetize and, um, well, I think codify my experience in a way that it is of value to others. So long story short, we became a provider for this a big, big investment project. We've been working with them for many, many years and help people from across the world settle into the United States. We help their team to work better together across cultural differences. And that's how I dropped into this field. And this is more than 15 years ago, and we've been growing strong since. The, And if you allow me this one more sentence, Brigitte, um, the true underlying reason, the why, so to say, behind this change from journalism to cultural expertise and ISQ training is rooted in our, in our mutual history, right? So as you know, born in Germany, born long time after World War II, and yet saddled with the history of our country. And the history of Germany and the history of our great, parent, great grandparents and great grandparents generation is that of one of the biggest, if not the biggest crime against humanity on, on record. And it happened in my opinion, because Germans by and large and German leadership and maybe all of Europe at that time failed to communicate across cultural differences. And I think this is at the heart of so many, if not all conflicts in the world is that we don't listen to each other. We can only understand each other if we listen, we, if we relate. And this is what Germany was particularly bad at some 80, 90 years ago. So I cannot make our history undone. I can't change what happened during the Nazi regime and during the Holocaust. And yet as a German, I feel it's an obligation to help others get a better understanding of other cultures and find ways and strategies to relate to those who are different from us in order to get a win-win-win positive outcome for everybody involved. So thank you for that. And I, I appreciate the continuous work that you do. And it's not a job. It's a calling. Can I say that? Sometimes it is, yes. Sometimes it is. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned, of course, we cross cultures from Germany to the States and then we cross them back um, and then we cross them over again. But you do not just work with U.S. to Germany cultures. 
No, no, no. You just did a training crossing cultures to what, Korea? Yeah, we, we do, we handle all sorts of requests, right? So yes, we had, had a, a fairly large program with, with a big Fortune 100 company just a couple of months ago. And their, their, their Korea side of the business, they had some challenges with, with Korean culture and how to be successful with that. Um, I'm getting ready to do a program for a mid-sized company here in the US who have a team that consists of 10 different nationalities. So it, there's Nepalese, there is Jordanians, there's Indians, US, Mexicans. There's a whole variety of people. So we don't really, um, of course we care where what cultures are involved, but that's not a limitation to, to our scope of work. So when clients come to us and say, hey, we got this program with, um, Kazakhstan actually did happen once, also last year, then we'll find a way, right? There's always, we, we have a network of affiliate trainers and coaches that I've built over the past 50 years um, that we can, we can give marching orders very quickly. I actually, I got an email two days ago, or let's say 36 hours ago, because it was a late email. It came in like at 9 p.m. from one of the partner companies that we work with. And they say, hey, Christian, do you know somebody who could? <laughs> I think it was Thailand. Uh, they needed a Thai trainer based in the U.S. And sure enough, we I have somebody in my network that, that we can set to that project. So you're also the cultural connector. I hope so. That's the goal. <laughs> So I, I know that you you and your organization cross cultures. And the next one, there's I know that you shared with me that there's a webinar coming up where we're going to go back to the roots. And that is. US. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a webinar on February 24. So as you're watching this and maybe watching the replay, this is the year 2022. That's the year we're talking about. So it's February 24 of 2022. And we're doing a webinar on doing business with Germany. So how to close the culture gap, the transatlantic culture gap. And it's the target audience is mainly um, North Americans. However, we have already applications coming in from um, other countries, mainly Europe and Asia. So it's about how to cross the culture gap into Germany if you're trying to do business with Germans, whether it be in Germany or you're doing business with German organizations abroad. What are the things you need to pay attention to? What will make you more successful? So that's on February 24th. It's a com complimentary webinar. So free for you to join. The more the merrier. Come on in. You know, pe people and, and, and be on that webinar just to continue to hear Christian teach and speak because when he opens his mouth, one thing is for sure, you're going to learn something. Like there's not one day where I don't learn something because my husband, Christian, the culture guy, reads the entire internet in the morning and then tells me what's new. And I am not exaggerating. Okay. That's, that's literally how it works. <laughs> um, people oh ask God. us often, Sometimes. you individually, me individually, how come you guys are from Germany, but you don't sound German? So Christian, for the, for the ones that always wanted to hear us talk German, why don't we talk German a little bit in, a, in an American way? 
What do you mean? You want me to speak the English language with a German accent or you want me to speak the Deutsche Sprache of Deutsch? What is it you want to do? <laughs> no, I want you to speak the because when we jetzt Deutsch weiter reden, versteht uns kein Mensch. So, yes, I, I may not have the stereotypical German accent. However, I do recognize that I do have an accent. Um, I, I know that some of my accent may sound a bit upper Midwestern because this is where I spent the first time of my time in the U.S. I spent in, in Minnesota. Don't you know? Yeah, you betcha. And then I lived here in the Southeast for quite a while. So sometimes... That sneaks in, and in its entirety, it sounds weird because sometimes it goes into the Midwest corner and then it goes in the Southeast corner, and then the German accent falls in between. So people have a hard time making sense of the the stuff that comes out of my mouth. So. That's okay. I do too, and you do the same for me. So it's all. I told you, it's not a native app. It came after the fact. It's glitchy. Deal with it. <laughs> it's Glitchy, I love it. Before we, because you came bearing gifts, and before we share those gifts with our listeners and viewers, how, you came bearing gifts. Um, how do people get in touch with you, Christian? Um, there is this magic invention called the telephone. You can call me on the phone, um, and you will find the phone number by going on this very website. See, uh, Brigitte is really on task theculturemastery.com. You've been wondering what that TCM back there stands for? The Culture Mastery. That's where you go, and it will show you the email, and it will show you a phone number, and that's easy peasy. That's how it's done. Sure, you can find us on LinkedIn, which is, by the way, my preferred social media. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on, on the Facebook, too, I think, um, and on some other outlets. And yet, this is the mother of all connection, theculturemastery.com. That's Fantastic. Theculturemastery.com. Make sure that you put it in your URL, in your browser right now, theculturemastery.com, and save it. Put it in your, uh, as a, I don't know, how do you say, bookmark. You want to bookmark it. And now, um, you also came bearing gifts. What did you bring? Well, I brought an ebook, which is easy to carry through the internet. Um, I didn't wrap it. However, it came with a custom link. So that's easy for you. And I brought an ebook that is called A Dozen Tips for Efficient Communication Across Culture. Long title, sounds really important. And there's a link. You see it? It's a bit.ly link and TCM, right? We learned that lesson. And then ebook. That's how easy it is. And that's where you download the ebook, A Dozen Tips for Efficient Communication Across Cultures. It's, in a way, an introduction to our work. It is, it are some of the fundamental pillars of the teachings that we um, present to our clients. And I think it's so important that everybody should have it, and you should have it too. Go get it now. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, I have put that in the chat as well. And I want to make sure that I am taking this off. There we go. And um, so Christian, theculturemastery.com or you get your bit.ly bit.ly slash TCM ebook. TCM ebook. I put it in the chat as well. Um, Thank Christian, 
thank you for um, supporting us with your insight and teaching us a little bit more about not just cultural intelligence, but also a little bit about emotional intelligence and how people can integrate that in their everyday life. And I would probably argue that everyone on a regular basis has some sort of cultural interaction with people. So follow the culture guy, follow Christian on LinkedIn. Thank you for being here, Christian. I will certainly have you back on the show. And for everyone else, guys, tune in again next week, same time uh, on Tuesday, same place. Yours truly, Brigitte Hoefele with Christian Hoefele, the culture guy. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Success Pattern Show at www.thesuccesspatternshow.com. My name is Brigitte Hoefele.